the Korean Thrive Podcast, episode 195, The Challenges of Going from Job to Business with Catherine De Silva. Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name's Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers, just like you, create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the show. I'm here with another interview show this week with Catherine De Silva of The Handmaker's Bag, who I've known for quite a while now, and she's actually a member of the Thriver Circle, my membership community for makers. And I I did a business intensive with her recently. So in the circle, uh, I offer two business intensive spots every month where I actually talk to you one-on-one for half an hour and help you with your business so Catherine came on and we had a chat about her business and I loved her story and the kind of position she was at in her journey so I invited her to come on the show and share her story basically she quit her job her full-time job not too long ago and has been running her business full-time ever since and we talk a lot in this episode about why she made that decision, uh, some of the challenges that have come from being self-employed and basically having to work out how to manage your own time after working for someone else for so long and the challenges of you know friends and family, uh, managing those relationships, but also a lot of the joys and the positive elements that have come from making that decision and making that leap to being full-time self-employed. So that is what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. I just want to give a shout out to all the members of the Thriver Circle. Uh, They basically are who makes this podcast possible, the support of the members of the Thriver Circle, who get an additional members-only podcast episode every month uh, in return for their support. Thank you so much. Uh, If you want to join us, the membership will be open again within the next few months. I only open it a few times a year. Head on over to thrivercircle.com and you can find out more about all of the benefits of membership. There's heaps of stuff. My year-long course, Your Year to Thrive, heaps of video workshops, podcast episodes, our wonderful community, and lots, lots more. Basically to help you work out how to turn your hobby into a thriving business faster. That's what it's all about in the circle. So thank you to every single person who is a member of the circle and has been in the past for being part of that community and for supporting the show as well. All right, let's dive into this episode with Catherine De Silva of The Hammock is Bag. I'm here with the lovely Catherine. Welcome to the show. Hi. <laughs> I'm really excited to have you on and chat with you today uh, because I've known you for a while. You've been in the Thriver Circle for, gosh, how long now? A while. Um, it's been over a year, so a little while. Yeah, I'm not sure how long, but um, I I love being in the Thriver Circle. It's really helped me a lot. So, Yeah, that's awesome to hear. And you kind of one reason you're coming on today is you have made that transition recently from having a job to working on your business full-time so we're going to talk a little bit about that yes and can you give everybody listening just before we kind of dive into the details just give us a bit of background on sort of how your business started, how long you've been running it sort of on the side before you you took this step and, 
you know, all of those sorts of things? Sure. Um, yeah, so I started my business actually in um, 2016. Um, in fact, it was three years ago um, last Friday. Oh, congratulations. So, yeah, it was my three-year bizversary um, on Friday. Um, and it kind of started a little bit on a whim. I had another Etsy shop where I was making tote bags, but they were kind of really labor intensive and I was just kind of doing it like people would ask me to make them and I'd make them. So it wasn't like a, a real business that I was trying to make these tote bags and sell all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and to try to make a long story short, I got involved in this knitting group and I got back into knitting and I needed something to put my projects in that I was making. And so I started making project bags for myself. And then these ladies that um, were in this knitting group with me, they really liked them. And so they wanted them. And <laughs> so I started making more of them. And they started telling me, oh, you should sell these. And, you know, the typical story yeah. people telling you. <laughs> Um, so I did. So I started selling them um, first on Etsy. And then um, in 2017, I actually opened up a site on Shopify. Um, and so I was doing it on the side. I had a full time job and um, was doing, you know, making these bags on the side. And at the beginning of 2017, um, I got interested, well, it was really, I guess, the end of 2016. I got interested in hand-dyed yarn and decided that I wanted to try um, dyeing yarn. And so my daughter and I started dyeing yarn together, and we opened up a shop doing that, a separate shop. And um, she had a little baby at the time. Um, my granddaughter was just um, a couple years old and so it we started the shop but it got to be very hard for her trying to um, you know be a mom taking care of a little one mm -hmm. and we were trying to also start this business and so I ended up absorbing this yarn line into my um, bag shop okay. um, so that's where we were in 2017, and then um, at the end of 2017, I decided that I wanted to leave my full-time job because it just wasn't working out for me. I was, it was really stressful, and it was just causing me um, a lot of stress, and I just decided that the best thing to do was just to leave that job. And rather than go and find another job, which I could have done, I talked to my husband and I said, I want to do this full time. And I think he thought I was crazy. I think everybody <laughs> kind of thought I was crazy. <laughs> like, you know, what you're going to make bags all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just really felt really passionate about it. And so um, October 31st of 2017 was my last day at my full time job. And I've been doing um, this business now for over a year, and um, and I love it. It's been great. It's been really hard, 
but it's also been great. And um, I've just really enjoyed it. And I, I'm, I feel really lucky that I get to do something that I really enjoy doing that I really love doing. It's wonderful, isn't it? It's kind of, you feel so blessed to be able to do that with your time, something you find valuable and enjoy rather than somebody else's priorities. Yeah, I, it really is. And I know, you know, if you're not a maker, you, you know, people who I talk to who don't sew or knit or craft or aren't creative in some way, they don't always get it. Mm. But, um, you know, because when you say, oh, yeah, I, I make these bags and that's what I do. I sell these bags online and, you know, they're like, you make money? And <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I do. And, um, you know, they're just always kind of surprised when you tell them that you sell this thing online. Um, but, you know, so far, so good. And I'm really happy to be doing it. And um, I'm really um, thankful, you know, that people like what I make and that, you know, other people value it and enjoy it too. And, and so it's been really fun. I've really enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> so you mentioned um, some of the challenges. What what are some of the biggest challenges, especially once you made the transition to working full time? What are some of the biggest challenges you've faced in this like shift to full time? Oh, um, one of the hardest things I think is really finding balance because I think when you work from home people don't think that you're working mm. and that you're just home and you have all this time and they can just, you know, drop in or call you um, whenever they want. Um, and so it's really hard to get people to understand that, yeah, I'm home, but I'm working. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's been, you know, that's been one of the hard things. I think another thing is staying motivated. Um, I know that there's been times when I probably should have been working and I was, you know, maybe knitting or something else just because I didn't, there's nobody to tell you what to do. So you have mm -hmm. to figure it out for yourself that this is what you need to do. This is what you need to get done and you have to get it done by this time. And if you just don't make yourself get up and do it, it's not going to happen. Um, so sometimes that's been a little bit hard. Yeah, you know? that is. <laughs> I think that is one of the biggest challenges. Even self-motivated. I, I think of myself as a pretty self-motivated person. Um, but I've definitely struggled with that over the years. There are times where you just would rather be doing something else and you're at home. So it's like maybe I'll just sit down and read my book for half an hour or whatever. There's not that external pressure to, to do the work at the time, um, which generally I enjoy because I don't respond well to external pressure. I kind of rebel against it a little bit to a certain extent internally while externally actually living up to it. Um, so do you find yourself in that similar sort of situation? I do. Um, I think my problem is that I've always, um, well, until last year, I've always worked at another job. So I've always worked for someone else and I've always had someone else saying, um, you know, for the most part, this is what needs to be done. This is what we need to get done. Um, you know, so there's kind of always somebody 
you know, kind of sort of checking up on you. Mm. Um, and now that I work for myself, there's nobody checking up on me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so if I'm not, you know, I'm the only one putting pressure on myself to get things done. Mm. And I'm a pretty self-motivated person. Um, but there, you know, I have... There have been times where I've been kind of like, oh, you know, I'll do that later. Or, you know, I don't really need to write that blog post right now. I'll do it later. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, we'll just kind of put things off that it would be better for me if I would just do them. But there's nobody pushing me to do them. Mm -hmm. So that's been one of my things that I've been trying to get better at overcoming. Do you have any strategies that you've implemented to do that? Um, I've tried. One of the things that I've been doing recently is every evening I've been um, sitting down and writing in my planner what I'm going to work on the next day. So I don't have to wait until the next day to figure out, okay, this is what I'm going to do now. Mm. Um, so if I think about it the night before, it helps me to get started on it the next day. Um, so that's been a big helper. Um, and trying to just have a routine where I get up every day you know, and I get dressed. I don't hang out in my pajamas all day. <laughs> I get up, I shower and get dressed just like I was going off to another job. And I try to be in my studio by around 1030 or 11 because mm -hmm. I like to kind of have a slow morning. I like to get stuff done around my house so that it's not weighing on my mind that I've got dirty dishes or something in the sink. Mm -hmm. um, so I try to get all of that stuff done. So I'm not thinking about it. And then I try to get into the studio about 1030 to 11 o'clock every day so that um, I just have this routine that at that time I'm going to, you know, be in my studio and I'm going to work until about five, usually around five, six o'clock is when I stop. Mm -hmm. um, and of course I have lunch in there too, but, um, but I try to stick to that every day. And that has helped me a lot also, um, having that routine. Yeah, I find routines, that was one of the key things I figured out um, reasonably early on for me was having work hours and having a routine because if you just like leave it open-ended, then it's a recipe for disaster really. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, it really is. Because I know for me, what ends up happening is like, okay, well, I want to do this project today, but I'll work on that in the afternoon. And then the afternoon comes and then I'm kind of doing something else. And I just don't, you know, get into the studio. So if I just have, okay, I've got to be in the studio no later than 11 o'clock, we're going to get everything done by 11 so that I can be in there at 11 o'clock. Mm -hmm. And then it, it makes my morning, it makes me more motivated in the morning to get things done and out of the way so that I can get into the studio by 11 o'clock. And I find that really helps with, with getting stuff done. And it's still a process. I mean, I'm still working out the kinks and, you know, it's not perfect, but 
Um, there are days when I get sucked into Pinterest or something <laughs> um, <laughs> a little, little longer than I planned, but um, I'm really trying to not be on social media during the time that I plan on working. Mm. And I've been trying to um, set limits and just, um, you know, not even check my phone during that time when I'm trying to get stuff done. Um, and I know that you talk about turning off notifications, yes. which We've I haven't done yet. <laughs> Yes, I don't, I don't know why I struggle with turning them off so much, but I haven't done that yet, but I'm working toward that. <laughs> That's good. Get there. <laughs> so I, I, I want to just touch on a quick point here, which is, you know, you say you get to work around 11. Now I'm similar. I actually, my work hours, 11 is my absolute must be working by, but usually I'm at to work around 10 30 then of course there are other days like today where because I set myself an appointment I actually started work at 7 30 in the morning so there are days when you know the routine is kind of thrown out the window somewhat um but you know I I really like this idea of you know when you are self-employed you can you can be the, the master or the you know the mistress of your day and your timing there's all that sort of pressure out in the the world to be oh you know you need to get up early and get going early and that's when, you know, you're going to do your best work and I'm like, well, no, not necessarily. And I think it's important to kind of when you do make that shift of full time to sort of deprogram yourself from those sorts of external expectations, go, hang on, wait a second, what is actually going to work for me and my life and my business? Yeah, I, I kind of like to have, I'm an early morning person. I like to get up and get my day going, but I also like to kind of start it slowly. So mm -hmm. I like to get up and um, I take a shower right away. Um, and I um, get a load of laundry going, I get my dogs fed and let them outside and all of that. Um, but then I like to make myself a cup of coffee and sit down and listen to the news and knit for about an hour. Um, and and then I go, you know, after that hour, after I've had my coffee, I go back, I finish getting dressed and I'm ready to go into my studio and, and start working. Mm -hmm. And I, I just like having that hour in the morning to just kind of, you know, think about what I'm going to do that day and listen to the news and hear what's happening in the world and just kind of have a little bit of time in the morning to relax and, mm. and just, you know, enjoy the sunshine. <laughs> I think that's really lovely. Like, I do the same. Like I wake up and I usually, Nick and I will sit in bed for like an hour reading, drinking a cup of tea sort of thing before we get up. Uh, we like that sort of slow start to the morning and having a bit of, having a bit of time to yourself in the morning uh, for those of us who have the luxury of being able to do that, I think is a really, really um, wonderful thing. Um, because it just sort of, you don't feel rushed. You don't feel like the day is like stressful right from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I feel a lot more relaxed and, um, you know, if there's, if something comes up and, you know, there's a kink in a plan or something, I feel like I'm more able to handle it because I haven't had this stressful day. I remember when I was working, um, full time, 
having, you know, to get up and be out the door by a certain time. And I always felt like I was running late and, you know, oh, I forgot this. I got to go back and get it. And um, I always felt like my mornings were just like really stressful. And it's, it is really nice now to have that time in the morning. And my husband, he likes to make fun of me because he thinks I sit around bonbons all day. Because <laughs> <laughs> usually when he's, you know, he's leaving for work or he leaves before I even get out of bed now. Mm. Um, or I'll, you know, he'll leave while I'm knitting. And he's like, oh, well, you enjoy your knitting. <laughs> Well, I go make the money. <laughs> uh, how, how important, I mean, obviously there are always these transitional phases, but how important is it uh, that your family is kind of on board with this? You sort of mentioned earlier about people sort of dropping in and not quite realising that you're actually working. Has that been a challenge at all? Um, or has it, you found people have been supportive once they've kind of really got it? Um. I feel like I feel like my family is supportive. Um, I don't know that my husband quite gets what I do, mm-hmm. but he's very supportive. Um, luckily for us, um, we're not dependent on my income to support us, so I don't have to worry about that. I mean, you know, the point obviously, of course, is you want to have a profitable business business you want to make money but our lifestyle isn't dependent on it Mm. um so I'm lucky you know for that um but I think my husband is supportive he wants he knows that I enjoy it he he wants me to be happy and he sees that I do make money at it so but I I think on the other hand he also just doesn't quite get that I make things and sell them on the internet. It's this kind of odd thing to him that you don't have to work for someone else because my husband is very work oriented. Mm -hmm. Um, He started working from a young age and um, his parents owned a dairy when he was a child. And so he Mm. grew up working. I mean, from the time that he could walk. And that's what you do. You work, you get up you every day and you go to work. So, um, you know, so it's a little bit odd for him, but he is very supportive. My kids are very supportive. Um, I think, especially my son, I think he's very proud of, of his mom for, mm-hmm. you know, taking this leap of faith and trying to do something that she enjoys and loves and giving it a shot. Um, and my daughter, she, she's a knitter. So she loves what I do because she gets free yarn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. (laughs) Yeah. So she reaps the the rewards because, you know, mom makes things for her. So, um, so yeah, I do find, you know, my family is very supportive, but I think, outside my my immediate family um the like you know my my um kind of distant family I think they don't quite get it they Mm -hmm. think it's kind of a very odd thing too so (laughs) yeah I I remember that I think was one Christmas 
a few, maybe two or three years after I'd sort of started and really was going full time. And one of my cousins was like, oh, so how's the jewelry business going? And I was like, oh, really good. I made X amount of dollars this year. And he's like, his eyes widened. And he was like, really? <laughs> I, I think it was at that moment he was like, oh, okay, she's actually making good money. Like it's not just this little hobby thing she's trying, ha, ha, ha. It's like, no, it's a, it's a legitimate business. Um, and I think that in that way, you know, being successful financially, especially, um, really is what will kind of convince people <laughs> that you're, yeah. you're you're doing something real. Yes, yeah, and I get I get that same thing. They're like, "Oh, you really made that much? Oh, that's so interesting." You know, like they're they're just so surprised um, that you can actually make money working for yourself, and that you don't have to go and get a job working for somebody else mm. yeah um, it's interesting yeah I, I'm wondering if um do you is it a generational thing do you find at all do, do kind of younger people sort of understand it more or is it more of a personality thing I think I do think it's a generational thing mm. um I think um for example I think the idea is more accepted by my kids mm-hmm than by my husband or my in-laws right um you know and and even even people in my generation um you know i think it's hard for them like my friends even they're kind of like oh wow that's what you do really (laughs) um (laughs) so yeah i think it's much easier for the younger generation to accept Mm -hmm. than um the older generation. So what would you say have been some of the kind of highlights or really success moments of success so far that you've had in your business that stand out? Besides being on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We can say that one. That's good. Thank you. Um, This is a real highlight. This is my first, first podcast. So it's, um, I'm really excited. Um, I'd have to say um, something that really stands out um, was probably the first sale I got after I had left my full-time job mm-hmm. when I decided to do this full-time and I started getting those sales um, after I I because I kind of closed down my shop and kind of revamped everything and I opened it up and getting that first sale, it was, it was kind of like, yeah, you can do this. You know, you're going to be fine. Everything's going to work out great. (laughs) And that was a really nice feeling to have um, because it was really scary. Um, I had been selling these bags on the side but to try and take it to full-time business was pretty scary. Mm. And I did have these thoughts in the back of my mind, you know, can you really do this? Is this really going to work? Or are you going to have to go find another job? Or, you know, what's going to happen here? Did you make a mistake? Mm. Um, So this, I was going to say, did you give yourself any sort of like, oh, if it doesn't work in X amount of time, I'll go back and get a job again? Um, I didn't really. Um, I just said that I wanted to do this. 
I wanted to leave my job. I had been at this job for three years. And the reason I left is because it turned out to not be a very good job. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'm trying to be nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, It just, I mean, when I took the job, it, it seemed like a drain job. It really did. Um, it was, I really enjoyed the work that I was doing. Um, and it paid really good money and I was making more money than I had ever made. But the second year I was there, it was a little bit worse. And the third year that I was there, it was even worse, you know, and it, it got to the point where, I was getting sick on my way into work because my job was just, it was so stressful and it wasn't the work. It was the work environment. Yeah. Um, and I just couldn't do it. So about, I think it was like around June or July when I actually had to pull over on my way to work because I was so nauseous. I knew that I had to do something different. I couldn't keep going to this job every day feeling like this. Yeah. And I knew that I had to do something different. So that was about the time I came home and I talked to my husband and said, I can't do this anymore. I have to do something different. This is what I want to do. And he said, okay. (laughs) He just said, okay. (laughs) And, um, I was like, okay, we're, we're going to give it a try. And so I, I went back to work and I handed in my letter of resignation. And, um, because of the position I was in, um, I knew that it was going to take a little bit of time to find someone to fill my job. Mm -hmm. So I had decided that I would stay until about Thanksgiving time. And then, um, we were actually able to find someone and October 31st was my last day and I was done and um, just felt um, just felt so good that I didn't have to go back there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you, you probably outlined a common experience for a lot of people. Um, I know I've been in that situation where I just dreaded going to work. And and that's sort of the impetus of I have to do something different Um, can be a really strong motivator to make something else work. Yeah, it really was. And, um, you know, you kind of have these dreams where, oh, yeah, I would like to, um, I you know, I'd like to take this full time. I'd like to do this. I'd like to do that. But, um, But you don't. Because it is a scary thing to try and and do it. And you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to be able to do it. Mm. And especially if um, you are in the situation where your job is, you know, you're the primary breadwinner, for example, and your job is what's keeping sort of the mortgage paid and food on the table. That's a whole nother level of of stress um, as well on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, I was, um, I, I'm not, you know, I wasn't the primary breadwinner, but I was making really good money and Mm. that 
that money that I was making was allowing us to do a lot of different things. And to think about not having it, um, you know, we really, you know, when I say I came home and I, I told my husband I wanted to do this and he said, okay, but we really talked about it. I mean, we really figured out, well, you know, can we pay the bills without your income? And if this doesn't work is, you know, is, are we going to be okay? Mm. Um, so we did, you know, we figured all that out and we knew that, um, even if I didn't make any money, we'd be okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so, but being able to make any was obviously the point I wanted yeah. to, you know, contribute to my family. Um, and being able to do that, it's a really good feeling to have this thing that's yours that you created and you're doing this all yourself and you're still contributing to your family and helping out. Mm, that's awesome. So what would you say have been, has been the, or one of the most important marketing strategies you've used to grow your business? Um, I guess one of the main things that helps me, I think, is Instagram. Um, I'm on Instagram every day, and that Instagram drives a lot of traffic to my website. That was another thing. I'm still, I still have a shop on Etsy, but when I opened at my Shopify shop, that was one of the things is, you know, can I drive traffic to Shopify now because I don't have, um, you know, it's not like Etsy where Etsy helps to bring traffic to your shop. Um, and mm. now I get most of my sales on Shopify. Um, I get very few sales from Etsy. So Instagram has really been an important, um, tool for me. Um, you know, I don't get as much traffic with Facebook, although I keep trying to use it. Um, I'm still there, but I just can't seem to get Facebook to work for me. But Instagram has been the best marketing tool for me. I'm trying to figure out Pinterest, how to um, utilize Pinterest better, because I think Pinterest could be a good um traffic driver for me, mm -hmm. but I don't get as many, um, hits on my website from Pinterest as I do Instagram. So what is, so you say you're on Instagram every day. What's your sort of strategy there? Are you posting every day? Are you interacting? Um, what are some of the key things that you think have been successful? Um, I think I don't post every day. I was trying that. I know I read a lot of things. You're supposed to post three times a day and <laughs> figure out the best times to post. And I was trying that, but I felt like it was really forced and it mm. wasn't really, um, I wasn't posting things that were really, um, that weren't, I guess they weren't really me. I was, I was mm. trying to come up with ideas so that I'd have something to post and it wasn't really genuine posts that I really wanted to post or that was really me posting it. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. 
um, because I was trying to do, you know, these three or four posts every day spaced out through the day and trying to be there all the time and post and stories and, and do all the stuff that everybody was telling me I was supposed to be doing. <laughs> um, and I just, it was just, I just felt like I didn't have that much stuff to post about. I just felt like I was posting silly things because I needed to come up with something. So now um, I've kind of taken a step back a little bit. I, I post when I have something that I think people want to hear about. And that doesn't mean that I post every day, but I do go on to Instagram every day and I interact with other people. Mm. So um, other people that I follow, different hashtags that I follow, and just try to um, not make it about me so much, not make it just about what I'm posting, but just comment on what other people are posting and, you know, what they're making and, and just trying to kind of connect with people more and have it more about, you know, connecting and talking to other people and not just be about what I'm posting. Mm. That sounds like a good strategy. And I, I, I just want to touch on what you're saying about the, you know, posting three times a day thing. I think things have changed a bit on Instagram because obviously we don't have the um, algorithm that's just timeline anymore. It's like, you know, who knows what's going on with it. But, you know, a post you make five days ago can still show up in somebody's feed. So I think these days it's less about posting frequently and more about posting quality um, and doing the interaction like you were saying and, and kind of getting out of your own feed and into other people's and, and, and sort of connecting with people that way um, and doing a bit of an experiment. Like I find if I post too often, I actually, my follower numbers slow down or drop, you know, so maybe that's not what my, my audience wants. So I, I post less often and that seems to work better ironically so you know don't be afraid people listening don't be afraid to experiment with that don't feel like there's one right way to do it because there isn't it's what works for you and your audience right and I think that's what you have to do you have to experiment and you have to see what works for you and not just do something because somebody's telling you this is what you need to be doing in order to make Instagram work for you um, because like I was posting like three or four times a day and it was not doing me any good. <laughs> mm. It was not helping me in any way. And it was causing me stress because I was constantly trying to figure out what can I post about now? What can I post about now? Why I posted my knitting. Okay. You know, I posted some photos of bags. I, what can I post about now? I'm out of things to post about. Okay. Let me stick a photo of my dog up there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know I just couldn't come up with enough to be posting three or four times a day that was I felt was interesting to people um so I just stopped doing it I just stopped trying to post that many times um and I I don't worry about if I don't post you know I do try to post something every day but if I don't have anything to post. I don't worry about it. It's like, it's okay. I didn't post anything today. I'll post something tomorrow. Um, 
but I, you know, I do try to get on every day and just interact with people and just make it more about that connecting rather than just posting something. Mm. I think that's a really good strategy. Um, where do you see yourself in the future? Like for your business, say, you know, three or five years down the track, what do you, do you have any sort of longer term plans or are you just happy to sort of see how things unfold? Um, you know, I'm pretty happy where I am right now. Um, I, you know, I of course would like to increase my sales a little bit, um, and, um, up my production a little bit. Um, I'd also like to, um, to, to do some more yarn dyeing. I feel like I don't dye yarn as often as I would like to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I see myself, you know, still making bags and still, um, kind of doing the same thing that I'm doing now. I'd like to maybe, um, add some different bag styles to my shop that I've Mm -hmm. been thinking about for a while. I'd also like to get into um, maybe designing some knitwear patterns. That's been something that I've wanted to try my hand at, but haven't yet. Um, It makes me a little bit nervous. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably a good sign. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, I, I, that's where I'd like to go. I'd like to, um, continue making the bags that I'm making, maybe add a couple of more styles, um, add some more yarn colors and do more, more yarn dyeing, um, and have more of that available for people and do some pattern designing. Mm, that's exciting. Yeah. So it kind of, you know, I, I kind of envision this kind of, um, one-stop shopping experience for knitters where you could, you know, pick a pattern and then get the yarn for that pattern and then also get the project bag to keep it in. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, maybe some other little tools or something that knitters might need, but that's where I'd like to take it. That sounds pretty good. I like that idea. (laughs) So, do you have a piece of advice that you would like to give other makers about running a successful business? Um, I would say just go for it. Just mm-hmm. do it. If you have an idea that you want to do, just do it. Don't wait for that perfect moment because there's never going to be a perfect moment. Um, I know I see people posting in Facebook groups and stuff, um, where they're taking these courses and these workshops and they're doing, you know, reading all these things and they haven't even opened their shop yet. Mm -hmm. And I want to tell them, just open the shop, just do it. Don't keep waiting because it's never going to be perfect. You're always going to be working on it. You're always going to be tweaking things and making things better because you learn as you go Mm. and you know, you try something and it didn't work. So then you change it and make it better. And if you just don't do it, you're never going to get there. You're preaching to the choir here. I totally, (laughs) 
100% support that advice. Just yeah. start. I see people all the time. It's like, oh, well, I'm taking this class. You know, I rolled in this course. You know, the course costs them $500, but they haven't opened their shop yet. And I want to, like, yell at them, like, yeah, the course is great, but open the shop. <laughs> <laughs> just get it started. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, just go for it. Just do it. And that's not, you know, that's I'm not telling anybody to – quit their full-time job and, and, you know, I mean, if you want to quit your full-time job and that's where you want to go, that's great. And if you just want to do it as a side business, do, just do that, but just start, just start it. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> Catherine has good advice for you. Just start it. Um, Catherine, do you have a quote for us today that inspires and motivates you? Um. Yeah, I, I don't know if this is necessarily a quote that someone has said, but um, at the beginning of, the, of every year, I try to kind of um, think about what I want my year to be. Like, what do I want to get for my year? Mm-hmm. And this year, um, my word was clarity. I wanted to get clear on what I wanted to make and where I wanted to go and what I wanted my business to be. Um, so my word was clarity. And the quote that I have up on my wall that reminds me of that I, you know, to get clear on things is less stuff, more space less waiting, more doing, less fear, more joy. I love that. That's great. Yeah. And I don't know if if it's something somebody said, um, but I just, I don't know if I saw it somewhere. I just remember um, thinking about that, that that's what I wanted to accomplish this year. And so I have that up on my wall and I see it every day and it just reminds me when I'm making decisions, you know, is, is it in line with those three things? Is it, you know, is it less stuff? Is it less waiting? Is it less fear? Catherine, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Where can people find you and your work online? They can find me um, at my website, which is thehandmakersbag.com. I'm also on Instagram at thehandmakersbag, and I hang out there every day. (laughs) So that's the main place where they can find me if they want to chat. I'm also on Facebook. Um, They can just search The Handmaker's Bag. I'm not there as much, but I do have a Facebook page, and I do have an Etsy shop as well. Um, but the main place is Instagram. Awesome. Ah, well, first podcast. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I certainly enjoyed talking with you. I did. This was a lot of fun. I really had a good time and thank you for having me on. It was, um, really fun. And I have to say that your podcast is one of my favorites. I listen to every single episode and I'm always excited when the new episodes come out. So, to have this be my first podcast is just um, kind of a fangirl moment. <laughs> <laughs> I 
that's lovely to hear. Thank you so much, Catherine. It's really, yeah, it makes it means a lot to me when I hear people like yourself saying that they really enjoy it and it makes a big difference. So thank you for saying that. And thank you for coming on the show and sharing your story with us today. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you enjoyed it, please do share it. Take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram stories, tag me at create and thrive so I can say hi. Share the podcast in your Facebook groups and communities if you find it helpful. Let other people know about it so that they can come and listen as well and learn from this free content that I'm putting out every single week for you to help your business grow. And a little bit of news that I forgot to tell you at the beginning of the show. Uh, My course Wholesale Know How, which in the past has been a live course, is transitioning to be a self-study course, much like Brand Your Craft and How to Sell More uh, Markets and Shows, my other self-study courses, in the not-too-distant future. In fact, in late July, Wholesale Know How will be coming out as a standalone 30-day course. Well, actually, there's two options. There's a 30-day course, and then there's an additional module you can add on that is all about how to succeed at trade shows. So if you're interested in that, just keep an eye out over at createandthrive.com forward slash start here, sign up to the mailing list, and you'll be notified when that course is available for purchase. But I will be telling you more about it over the next few weeks in the podcast as well and keeping you in the loop about that coming up soon. It's a great time of year actually to be thinking about this because if you're wanting to get into boutiques and stores, especially for, you know, the holiday season in the not too distant future, it's a really good time of year, sort of the middle of the year, July, August to be working on that. So it'll come at a good time for you if that is something that you've been wanting to do and you want the guidance to help you work out exactly how to make it happen. I will be back again next week with another episode of the show. In the meantime, if you haven't already, go check out my other podcast, The Business of Making. That's all you need to search in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this, The Business of Making. It's my co-hosted show with Mick and Deb. We have a lot of fun. We talk business, the business of handmade, surprisingly, right? (laughs) So if you haven't already... uh, kind of tapped into that additional source of weekly handmade biz info go check it out right now the business of making and uh, i'd love to hear what you think about that as well hit me up on instagram at create and thrive and i'll be back again next week bye for now